Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. This is John Murphy, and it's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Brian Tillman. Dr. Tillman is a practicing vascular surgeon and also an active research scientist. And I believe this podcast will give us an opportunity to talk about vascular surgery needs and opportunities uh, with some of the new and emerging technologies. Dr. Tillman, it's a pleasure to have you. Welcome to Regenerative Medicine Today. Thanks for having me. As I said in my introduction, uh, Dr. Tillman, you uh, are an active and well-recognized vascular surgeon who has just joined us in Pittsburgh coming from the uh, Wake Forest University and Wake Forest Medical Center. And perhaps you could tell us about some of the needs that you see in vascular surgery that you believe are addressable by some of the new emerging technologies that you and some of your colleagues are working on. Certainly. Many of the patients that I see on a regular basis, their problems are obviously vascular, but uh, there are a spectrum of, of different needs. Uh, patients who, who don't get enough blood flow to their legs, patients who have diseased blood vessels that have become aneurysmal or dilated at a risk for a rupture, and, and those patients need replacement of those blood vessels. And currently, a uh, standard that's used is a prosthetic graft when a patient's own autologous vein is not available, but those prosthetic materials certainly uh, come with risks and complications that we'd like to avoid. In some instances, a prosthetic material simply can't be used due to the presence of infection or due to the location that we're actually trying to bypass the vessels to. So if I understand correctly, when you have a patient whose own vascular material is deteriorated and you don't have other vascular material presumably for that same patient that you can use, then you use some type of a synthetic material for uh, essentially for a vein or an artery. Is that correct? That's correct. And, and I, I think if you asked any, any vascular surgeon, they would tell you that if they could, they would use a patient's own vein rather than use a prosthetic material. And the reason is that a, a patient's own tissue is far superior to that prosthetic graft. So... Perhaps a place to start is I'll show my ignorance and what type of synthetic material do you use in these particular instances? There are two graft types that have been around for a, a long time. One is uh, probably a, a substance that's familiar to most people is Gore-Tex, PTFE um, by its other name, and we also use Dacron for purposes of vascular reconstruction. So I, I gather these work at least in some form, but presumably uh, they have limitations as well. Is that, is that a correct presumption? That's correct. I mean, as I said, these have been by far the most successful synthetic materials that have been used to date, but some of the major obstacles that we run into clinically are foremost uh, infection of these grafts in that once they, once they become infected, that infection can't be cleared and the graft needs to be removed. The other major issue is that many of these grafts can't be used in smaller vessel applications. So for a, a patient who, let's say, needed a long leg bypass to a small vessel, in many instances, if they did not have their own tissue to use, we would probably not offer them any option knowing that prosthetic grafts are, are far inferior and are prone to occlude compared to a, a vein bypass, for instance. So I know in talking to some of the other scientists and physicians that have been on regenerative medicine today that 
One of the serious issues with artificial materials is forming blood clots. Is that, is that an issue in this case as well? That, that's a major issue in blood vessels, and that's one of the reasons why prosthetic materials have these limitations, namely because they, they can't support endothelial cell growth, and those endothelial cells are so important in preventing blood clots in, in these grafts. So now that we've defined the problem, perhaps you could share with us uh, some of your activities and your vision as it relates to uh, alternative approaches. Certainly. Needless to say, the uh, development of, a, of an engineered blood vessel is, certainly involves a number of different specialties. My particular interest is in the cell component of an engineered blood vessel endothelial cells being one. My particular interest there is how do we take a patient and uh, recover cells from that patient and be able to use those in that very same patient. And this eliminates a lot of obstacles with use of cells because if it comes from the same patient then we don't have to worry about issues of rejection. And so uh, we've been working on technologies to recover cells from an individual patient and that uh, also to make that a highly efficient system so that we can turn that graft around to these patients quickly because quite simply many of these patients can't wait for months to have a graft ready and so I think that's really a, a big interest area and, and one that uh, I'm certainly interested in is how to decrease the turnaround time to really make this something that can be useful for the vascular patient population. Another area that uh, I have a great interest in also relates to cells, and that is the scar tissue in these vascular grafts. Most grafts that, I guess, survive, for the lack of a better word, for that initial period ultimately fail due to scar tissue at the connections between the blood vessels. And the advantage of an engineered graft is that we, we do have some degree of control and we can engineer those grafts potentially to resist some of that, uh, that scarring effect that ultimately causes a graft to be lost. I should note that uh, when, a, when a patient's graft does fail, particularly if it's in a, uh, a, a limb bypass, oftentimes that may result in the patient actually losing a limb. And so for the patient who has these grafts, all of these things are, are extremely important. Perhaps we can talk in a moment about some of the techniques or approaches in terms of recovering and, and utilizing a patient's cells. But just to have the, the complete picture, if I'm not mistaken, in addition to the recovery and the use of cells, you need some type of a bioscaffold to create these, these tissue-engineered grafts. Is that correct? Exactly. And again, that's where, as I mentioned before, a lot of these uh, uh, other specialties um, become so important because we know that one reason why currently available alternatives for vascular reconstruction aren't as successful as perhaps they could be is their ability to move with the blood flow, uh, and that is to have a compliance is a word that's frequently used that simulates what a, a normal blood vessel would be because we know that when a, uh, a conduit doesn't respond appropriately by its compliance, that sets into play many uh, pathologies of, of blood vessels that lead to some of those problems that I mentioned before like clotting or, uh, or scar tissue in the vessel. So am I correct in presuming that, for example, your sort of system vision is to collaborate with, I think, some of the other scientists we've had on regenerative medicine today before, like Dr. Borp and Dr. Wagner, whose interests are in scaffold development? Is that the strategy that you're following? Exactly. So I, I, I think I fill a niche in that group. 
of uh, you know having some expertise in in uh, cells and and obviously the clinical arena and obviously Dr. Vorp's bioengineering work and uh, Dr. Wagner's work with conduits uh, for use in vascular placement uh, really that creates a, a synergy uh, so that we can come up with a engineered vessel that would be useful for uh, for clinical use. Yes, as our listeners recall from some of the prior discussions, we've talked many times about the the need for and the effectiveness of multidisciplinary team-based approaches to these problems, and I think this has just been another example. So, Dr. Tillman, you uh, mentioned a moment ago that your interest was in cell collection and the uh, timely uh, availability of those cells for these uh, vascular repair strategies. Can you tell us a little bit about perhaps what the state of the art is and where you see this uh, going in the near future? Certainly. My experience, and I'm sure some experience of other investigators, has been that to recover cells from an individual patient, we've had to collect blood samples and to then grow those in culture to recover progenitor cells that can actually create these endothelial cells that are so important. One major obstacle to that is that vascular patients often have a a myriad of other diseases going on, heart disease, dependence on dialysis, and those patients are typically not patients who we can take a large volume of blood from without causing them harm. On the flip side, the number of cells that we can recover from a small volume of blood is very limited. And this goes back to the point I mentioned earlier, which is this turnaround time from cell collection to creating a vascular conduit is so important. And the less cells we start with, the longer it uh, obviously would take. Technology that uh, I've been interested in is one that I uh, uh, gleaned from the the, uh, process of dialysis, which is taking a patient's blood out, cycling it through a machine that will basically pluck out the cells that we're interested in. Uh, We're very fortunate in vascular engineering that the, the cells that can reconstitute vessels are actually floating around in the blood. So the new concept is to have a system that will recover these cells and yet return all the other cells back to the patient, all their blood cells, white blood cells. And we've actually tested this and shown that we can actually recover significantly more cells and and reduce the amount of time that it takes to get cells for seeding of a vascular graft in a significantly uh, shorter period of time. So I I know that some scientists look at the strategy of taking some cells and growing or expanding them in a a bioreactor. I I gather from what you're saying is you'd like to avoid that step. You'd like to be able to collect sufficient cells that you could do a a surgical procedure just from the cells collected. Is that a correct presumption? That's, I I think, the, uh, the ultimate goal. You know, at the stage we're at now that my lab is also using a bioreactor system uh, for conditioning these graphs, but I think if one were to ask a person who's actually in the operating room, they would tell you that really what we're looking for is something that could be as close to off the shelf as possible to really decrease this, not only turnaround time, but I guess changing of hands, for lack of a better word, because the longer these cells are out of the body, the more there's risk for infection, cell mix-up, and whatnot. So really, if, if we could get this to a stage where we could do all of this in the operating room, that would truly be the, the gold standard and something I think we would all look forward to. By your vision, it would be a sort of a one-step procedure in the OR as opposed to someone coming and donating their, some of their cells and having a subsequent uh, 
surgical procedure to implant the tissue engineered graft. Exactly, and I guess that's that's my, my dream that we would be able to achieve that, and I, I certainly think that there'll be a lot of initial efforts using the other strategy you mentioned, which is to collect the cells and process those and, and uh, create that conduit, but my dream is that we can someday get to that point where we could actually do all of that in, in the operating room. Certainly a, a very ambitious uh, plan, but uh, also one that would have some very, very significant outcomes. Dr. Tillman, can you share with us what might be the nominal time frame when some of these visions that you have are available for at least for a clinical assessment? I think that for an initial clinical assessment, I'm, I'm hopeful at least that uh, some of these technologies might be available hopefully within the next five years or so. I, I think that would be a at least a ambitious but reasonable time frame to start to see some of these things have usefulness for patients. And I might comment that while to some that may seem like a long time, I would also comment this is a very ambitious schedule for a, a science to a clinical trial sequence of events. So I, I commend you for being so aggressive in trying to get to that point. We, we've talked about some of these needs and ideas that you have at least I've envisioned the discussion up to this point to be about uh, adults and maybe principally about elderly adults who have some of these vascular diseases. Are some of these tissue engineered technologies applicable for children? I know there's children that are born with vascular deficiencies that require surgery. It seems though this might be applicable in those cases as well. What you've mentioned is, is very true. Uh, I, I certainly think that when people think about children and they, they think about healthy, but the fact of the matter is is that there are a, a fair number of children who have either been born with or for other reasons need reconstruction of their vessels. One of the problems with the currently available synthetic materials is obviously that they don't grow, and I think you're, as you were alluding to, these children do grow, and it's uh, the hope that if they had a, a vessel that was made of their own tissue, that that is something that would grow with them. And currently a problem for these children is they grow older using the current standard, so I am hopeful that uh, engineered vessels might have that possibility. That's truly an exciting opportunity if, as it matures for people that uh, find their children in need of that kind of technology. The other observation I have at this point is the discussion has been principally about disease and there's certainly lots of cases where both for civilian and military trauma it seems to me that uh, vascular tissue engineering would be applicable as well. Is that a good presumption? That That's very true and in fact that's uh, actually interesting that you brought that up because in the field of trauma, typically these wounds are not sterile as you might imagine and already are at a, a predisposition for getting infected. So the concept that we would use a prosthetic graft in that setting, although occasionally used, is uh, certainly highly frowned upon in a clinical sense because many of these grafts end up becoming infected. And on the battlefield, for instance, a decision might be made to, for instance, do an amputation simply because there's, it's known that there might be infection in that area as a result of the injury and that there wouldn't be any alternative to use of one of those synthetic grafts. So I, I really do think that a, an engineered graft might be able to overcome some of those limitations and certainly would have uh, application in the field of traumatic injuries in general. Dr. Tillman, I appreciate you uh, sharing with us your, the state-of-the-art and your vision for improving that uh, with us today in this podcast. 
We will list on the podcast website a link to Dr. Tillman's clinical and research pages so that uh, you can contact him if you have any clinical needs. And as we conclude this podcast, I'd like to remind our listeners that uh, we welcome suggestions in terms of topics to address. I will also remind you that we cannot address patient-specific issues via the Internet, but you can reach us at mail at regenerativemedicinetoday.com. As we conclude this podcast, I'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series, and we look forward to joining you in two weeks with another exciting interview. Thank you. Thank you.